0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up. We got one of our boys on today, man. It's like we're talking to a to another brother from a different mother. It's uh, it's gonna be awesome, man. Brian Fuller is uh, he's been in the game for a long time and uh, a part of this show, and it's always cool and interesting to find out what he's churning out next, and this will not disappoint at all. No sir, no sir, man.
1: If you don't know who Brian Fuller is, you got to ask yourself. Where have you been hiding? I mean, this guy is front and center just about everything automotive. I mean, television, uh, events, uh, you name it. I mean, he's been on everything from Biker Build-Off, Caffeine and Octane, Overhauling. Uh, man, he's been on Car Fix now for several seasons. So he's back in the game. with one of our sister shows to Two Guys Garage. Uh, partner in crime for years. Uh, myself and Brian back in the day. Uh, it's been awesome for I don't know how many years now, but um, yeah, every chance we get. Try to connect up uh, either for fun times or car times or bike times, uh, you name it. Or both. Yeah, all of the above. Uh, maybe a <laughs> beverage, too, you know, or three. Well, we got to wash the dirt down with something. He's gotten, you know, years and years, he's been all about customizing, whether it's motorcycles, you know, hot rods, you know, old school classics, um, you know, anything to a fire pit to a pergola. I mean, this guy, once he gets his hands on anything, it's got to be modified and custom. Uh, but he's always been, let's say, a little bit heavier on the customizing, the, the cruising, you know, the kind of hot-dogging, but lately he's got the itch to really get into that precision driving called
0: racing,
1: uh, and that's been really fun, really exciting to, uh, to kind of watch and, you know, bounce stuff off, and, you know, you and I were at um, Radford Racing here recently, right, we did some episodes out there, and who did we run into at Radford Racing, going to the school.
0: Yeah, man. Brian Fuller. Yeah. Brian Fuller getting
1: schooled, man. Getting the the math, got his paper out, his sharp pencil, you know, taking notes, uh, going out on the track and ripping it up. Uh, and he's, he's really diving into this vintage racing, which is a huge, huge love of mine, man. I love, you know, anything old school. And if you can make something old school, go damn fast on a racetrack, I'm in. Yeah, man.
0: Totally in. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm as much as into racing the old vintage stuff. I like taking old vintage stuff and making it go fast with modern stuff. But it, it, it is—it's unbelievable um, how this vintage racing is uh, is so popular, and and the the people that love it, man, they're 100% into it. I go to Bonneville all the time, and you see a lot of that, man. You see a lot of that. That sort of, uh, that car nature out there. And it's really, it's unbelievable, man. One of the one of the really cool places as a car person, you need to go check out. Like I'm sure you would say, you know, uh, up where you're at and the big cruises they have up there. But really, Bonneville is one of those places where a lot of this lives. And you see a lot of these style cars going big. Uh, it's just real cool to see. It's going to be uh, exciting to speak with Brian and see what's, uh, you know, what's on the agenda and what's on the horizon for some of this old vintage racing. Yeah, and if you've never been to a a real vintage racing event,
1: you know, I mean, think of like Road America or any one of these big uh, road courses, right? You're going to see everything. There's so many groups and classes because we've been racing forever You know, everything from old-school Formula 1s, a Lotus 7, you're going to see the old-school, you know, 60s uh, Corvettes and Camaros and every blend of, you know, maybe an old vintage Indy car, Formula 1 car, the Can-Am cars, probably one of the most spectacular of series, right? The Can-Ams, if you're not familiar with those, were kind of an unlimited class where you could just go wild, you know, tube chassis with a body. That's kind of about it. These guys are building a thousand, I've heard up to 1500 horsepower these little flimsy 60s era, you know, tube chassis just <laughs> unbelievably these things are probably wrapping up like a big rubber band with all that power cuz they probably never intended to. But just the sound and the roar and the, you know, the violence of these things ripping around the track, uh, you, you can't go wrong, man. It's it's a fantastic time. So many different cars out there all day long at one of these big races
0: now question bird would you rather have yourself a thousand horsepower and a little vintage race car like like brian is building or a thousand horsepower and an old school muscle car yes same era
1: yes (laughs) chalk (laughs) me up for all of the above man
0: (laughs) you know yeah Curious man, all right, right on. We'll, we'll take a break, speak with Brian. Looking forward to it. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have a boy, Brian Fuller, joined the podcast with us today. You never know what Brian's working on, man. Today he reveals something, uh, probably pretty unique. Is this the first time you've ever done something like this, man? Oh, dude.
2: Yeah, my first race car, man, it's kind of scary. It's exciting. It's fun. It's scary. I don't know. Lots of emotion.
1: So what what got you uh right, there's all kinds of vintage classes. I mean, you could get into a, a little old MG, right? You could spend big bucks and try to get into a, a you know, a vintage cobra. Uh but here we are in a open wheel, right? Formula style vehicle. Now the, the Formula Ford, you know, Formula F, the F sixteen hundred series, I mean, it's a great one because it's kind of like this the stepping stone right it's the entry-level class you know they kind of run them around the world and you know for a lot of folks right you start out in karting you know if you're serious you start on karting and then your next step is kind of you know formula four where you go out there and you know prove your mustard and then uh, you know maybe really kind of leap into the more serious formula series uh so is that where we're headed brian you're gonna be professional or are you just gonna be out there an enthusiast and have a hell of a good time <laughs> Are we doing a career change here? What's going on, man?
2: Absolutely not. My wife, uh, you know, has been really scared about me racing. And, you know, her latest thing that she's told people is like, oh, my God, I've seen on Instagram, Brian is going racing. And she's like, nah, he's just doing pickleball.
1: (laughs) You just keep telling her that, man. Yeah.
2: I'm like, babe, this is not like trying to go pro. This is like, you know, when you see the old dudes playing, you know, pickleball at, at the Y, I'm not trying to go to the to wimbledon i'm trying to just go have fun you know like i just want to go fast
1: the shuffleboard on the cruise deck (laughs) well if anybody's ever watched you know any kind of open wheel you know indycar formula one uh you know you got open wheels and you know when they touch sometimes boy that could be catastrophic you know they just climb right over each other so there's like an extra layer you know don't let your wife hear this podcast but you know there's like an extra layer of danger uh, and, a, and an open wheel, and, and you know, you're in a tiny little pod, so you don't have all that width and crush zones and, and all that other stuff, so you're living on the edge, man.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's
1: true, but I mean, at the end of the day... Have
2: you updated your will? Just ask. Yes, I okay all right. I've, yeah, I've already been asked that a bunch, but yes, <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, the, that, the open wheel, you raised open wheel, I mean, back in college, I mean, yeah. the, the miss. I don't want to say it's a misnomer, but the thing is, one, I ride motorcycles almost daily. I ride in the city of Atlanta next to 18 wheelers. I do road trips. I go, you know, so I I ride motorcycles a lot. So even just having a couple of extra wheels on the track makes me feel a lot more safe than kind of my day-to-day existence.
1: Well, there's your end. That's what you tell your wife. I'm actually being safer now. I got four wheels, right? I got a roll. I got a roll cage. Okay. Let's
2: not mention Paige anymore in this podcast. That's enough. But (laughs) the other, you know, the other thing about it is, you know, again, depending on the series, like you asked, like, why not get in a Cobra? You go in a Cobra. A lot of these guys are retired CEOs, right? They're used to winning. They're used to playing sports. They're used to killing it. Like super adrenaline junkies, which I have a bit of. And so, you know, they need to replace that adrenaline that they got in business and they got in sport. And so this is a way that they can get in. So yeah, if you're going to race this 500, 600, 750 horse, 3,500 pound rear wheel drive car around a track, then yeah, you better have your together and you better be ready. But you know, like these are, this is more of an entry level and a lot of the vintage racing, most of these guys, You know, depending on the, the, the series, the formula four guys, I'm going to say specifically they're out there for fun. Doesn't mean they don't want to win, but at the end of the day, they're not trying to bump into each other and send, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old guys out into the, to the woods to die. You know, just a couple, two, three at the front of the pack. So,
1: you know, you hang back a little bit, you will be all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and you know, everybody that's done any kind of racing, it, it, it's really how aggressive you want to be. Now, there's always the yahoo out there that can take you out, so we got to watch out for that guy. But yeah, clearly, yeah. I mean, you can you can go ten tenths and you can go past the line, or you can be you know nine and a half tenths and and just have a blast, keep it within, and and just go out there and be super competitive. Uh, try to beat yourself for the most part, you know, improve your ride, prove your your driving skills. Uh, but, man, I'm,
0: I'm super stoked. Hey, hey, Brian, tell us, you know, what, what made you pull that trigger? Cause it is different racing of any kind. I know. Cause I, I've, I've raced all kinds of stuff, man. And I've, you know, I love every single bit of it. I love competing in it. And I just, uh, it, to me is kind of addicting. What made you kind of pull the trigger and, and jump into this? Was there a moment? Was there? Was it that time out at Radford? Was it uh, when somebody explained how to, you know, draw the lines on a track or how to pick them? Um, was it sea time? What What was that that moment that really got you uh, sort of thinking and motivated to do it?
2: You know, I turned fifty last year. I think that was a big part of it. You know, my body's just—I can't play sports the way I used to. That's part of it. But I, I don't know. I always leaned to the Formula Ford. I'd seen them over the years, and I just felt like it looked like a really fun. I always wanted open wheel because I just don't like um, I've done a couple of the experiences like the NASCAR experiences and whatnot. And I don't like being surrounded and not being able to see, which is why I like a motorcycle because you've got complete 360 vision of all your surroundings and all of your competitors or whatever. And the same with an open wheel, you can really see out and see what's happening um one and two you know there it was something i felt like i wanted whatever racing i got into and i felt like over time it was going to be something and i always just had this weird inclination that formula four looked like a really fun series that you could run in and i like i mean you can i mean nearly the the worst part to get to is the motor transaxle in this car i mean you can have it out and probably 35 minutes, even as, you know, polished and shiny as mine is like, I can have the transaxle out in 30 minutes and repair the clutch. Um, you know, the radiator can be off in 15 minutes. I can have the radiator off. And so it's a very easy car to work on. Um, which also kind of lends itself to, you know, somebody who wants to not only drive, but also build and drive your own car.
1: Yeah. For anybody out there that wants to do a quick Google, uh, So you have a Mirage chassis, right? So this is the M5 Mirage M5, like, you know, somewhere around, what year is yours? 70. They only made it.
2: There were only seven of them made. And I think supposedly mine is the only one in the States. Um, I've only seen pictures really of maybe one, maybe I've seen, there's a nice one. If you Google it's in New Zealand, I believe, um, And I think there was maybe one other one that I've seen a picture of hardly, but everybody seems to kind of know about them because they wore the Gulf livery and the Mirage car was a fairly famous uh, car pre-Formula Ford in the 60s because it was one of the very few uh, private competitors to ever win Le Mans. So I think that was the M5 or I'm sorry, uh, maybe M3, one of the earlier ones that did that.
1: Yeah, so I think the M5, if you Google that, uh, beautiful looking car, right, you'll you'll kind of key in right away and say, oh, I've seen something like that before. Uh, no aerodynamics, right, so it's just, you know, the fuselage, the open wheels, you can see the old kind of vintage looking kind of tires that these things run. Uh, and, you know, the no aero uh, kind of keeps the cost down, the complexity down, so it really lets folks get in and focus on, you know, the driving, right? Get in a good, competent sort of chassis, uh, learn the skills, learn the lines. Uh, And I tell you what, man, um, as you mentioned, I did a lot of the formula SAE. So it's, you know, college engineering. You build the cars from scratch. Uh, These were in the 500, you know, pound range, right? Aluminum chassis, uh, you know, CBR 600 CC type motors. But the power to weight was as good as anything you've ever been in. You know, I think we were like an inch or less of ground clearance and probably some of the most fun driving I've ever done in my life. You know, so I can imagine, uh, you know, that's a bigger ride, probably less power for power to weight, But still, once you get in one, uh, I I can only imagine, you know, from my experiences, uh, what a thrill, what a rush. Now, did you mention, uh, you know, what condition, you know, because you've sent me pictures over the last year or two, you know, I've seen. Some of the, the custom header and some of the exhaust that you've built, you know, what is allowed within the rules uh, as far as modifications? I know there's a lot of different engines, right? The original ones were that the Kent, the Ford Kent engine. And I think at some point they kind of faded out and started replacing with some more modern, you know, like the ZTAC and the Duratec versions. Um, but you know, are you allowed to do much in the way of changes? Because typically, you know, any series has a series of rules. Yeah, my car falls in
2: uh, the, the oldest of the vintage, which was the uh, Formula Ford. And I think most of the series, uh, it's right about 69 to 73. <clears throat> and so kind of some of the general class segment, you know, rules are, obviously you've got the 1600 Formula Ford engine, you've got an, an um, outboard brakes, you have outboard shocks, you've got kind of steel brakes, Um you're you're limited by your engine work. You know, they've got a whole, you know, there's what feels like eight pages of shit that you can do and you can't do. Um, but in general, they're trying to keep it pretty close to what they were originally. So exhaust, they don't care. You can do anything you want with exhaust, paint, of course, you can do anything you want, seats. Um, but in essence, like my car, for example, um, came as like, you know. i bought it from the guy i met him at road atlanta just randomly and he goes yeah man i've got a formula four I'm like oh my god i've been looking for a formula four for like 10 years 15 years 20 years i don't know let's see great finally i'm 50 i stumbled on formula four like i knew it i knew it this is what was gonna happen and so he's got the motor he's got all the stuff it was like five it was like five grand and i was like five grand I'm like this is crazy and uh you know, right as I'm about to pull the trigger, my wife calls me and, says, and tells me that, um, you know, tells me a story about my friend like falling on a bicycle and hit his head. And I'm like, mm, maybe not a good time to tell her what I'm doing right now. Okay, let's wait. So anyway, it was a bare chassis. It had a motor, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, there's no transaxle. He's like, oh, yeah, it'll, I think those are like three grand, a couple of grand. Three grand. No, okay, cool. We'll come to find out there's only one in the whole country and it's like 6,500 bucks.
0: So he was close. He was yeah, close. You know, yeah, <laughs> Just a little off. You know, supply <laughs> chain issue. Supply chain issue. That's just <laughs> blaming on
1: COVID. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everybody else does, but still, um, that's a pretty good. You know, combined, that's a pretty good entry price for for a vehicle. Now, you know, you put a lot into it, uh, where most folks would just get it running because it's a race car, and you know what happens to race cars—they get, you know, at minimum, a bunch of road rash and debris and things spit all over them. Uh, and then, of course, at maximum could be, you know, lots of things. Uh, but but you're having fun because you're a builder. You're a customizer. So, you know, you're not just getting it running. You're making this thing look, you know, like it came off the showroom, maybe even better.
0: I want to know, did you drive it at all before you tore it apart and started the restoration? Did you get a chance to put anything together and, and actually? Well, I wanted
2: to, you know, I kind of wanted to, but. As you know, with TV schedules, they're like, hey, we've got a slot for it. And, you know, this is where it needs to go. And you're like, all right, well, I guess
0: we're going to paint it. No, we never have our cars on our show, bro. We don't know what that's like. Look behind me. Look at- <laughs> You've never seen one of these on. But you have a different problem. Uh, but, okay, TV schedules and the likes. So you never had any seat time before you started this massive restoration?
2: No, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not, I mean, you know, there's, there's not that much that, again, you can tear the thing apart and you can put it together so, so easily, one. And two, I really spent a lot of time doing pre-fit because that pre-fitment, you know, I mean, you can blame and, and Willie B, I know you probably remember and Bird, you'll probably remember, you know, in my opinion, all this shit started with Troy and Blowfish.
1: I was going to bring that up. Oh, like. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, man. No Blowfish. Well, yeah, this
1: marriage of fine craftsmanship, with, with race cars, and yeah. it seems so silly at face value, but I, I I love it. Like that car, I think probably took a lot of us, you know, took the our feet out from one and said, wow, you know, like the marriage of these two awesome things that make no sense, but I, I, I think is the coolest thing ever.
0: Well, and, and the fact that he was taking different engines and drive trains and setting world speed records on several different, several different bars, he was setting on a small block, a big block, certain drive trains. He set, you know, several world records in the Blowfish. Uh, and again, he always maintained that show car level as well. So it, it's tough to beat, man. That's a that's a tough act to follow. Racing in yeah. style, yeah, You dude. know, like- and what is that? I mean, how long has
2: that been? I mean, that was. 10 15 15, 15 years 15 ago years yeah. ago i mean and when i saw that i was like this bleep 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 just like he just built a race car like you would build a show car you know what i mean and troy was my hero still is my hero for a long time And i'm like damn it you know what i mean like now now if you build a race car you gotta build it and at the end of the day like you said you could go buy these cars one of the great things about it 10 to 15 grand sometimes even cheaper sometimes a hair more expensive, but somewhere in the seven to $20,000 range, you can buy these cars already basically ready to go to the track. And you're not going to spend a lot more on maintenance. I mean, the the engine can run for 10 years. You're going to mainly spend money on gas hotel room and tires, brake pads, you know, like it's, it's really a pretty inexpensive series, you know, but at the end of the day, again, like you said, I'm, I'm not a race car driver. I mean, like I did pretty good. I felt like I really learned at Radford and it was incredible to, to finally have some training. Um, Cause I had none, you know? And so that was, that was a blast. and I really could feel the improvement and I got faster, but you know, I need, I'm a builder, man. I want to show up in the thing. People are like, damn, like I don't, I don't care if I make it halfway through the field, if I can, you know, I got to win the builder contest. That's my, that's the contest. I have to win at the track. <laughs>
1: I'm kind of betting that if, you know, anything happens to this car, scratched dent, smashed, you probably know a guy yeah. that could fix yeah. it. You know, right? So there you yes. go. And it's a heck of a lot smaller than, you know, the, uh, what was that hearse that you guys did yeah. years ago? So much yeah. surface area, so much paint. This thing's super tiny, right? You can whip that thing out in like a weekend, right? I mean, it reminds me of a story. <laughs>
2: You know, a quick story just from my dad when I was a kid. <clears throat> he got drunk at a Ducks Unlimited auction. And he came back. He accidentally raised his hand on this really beautiful engraved over and under 20 gauge six, sick, sick gun I still own today. And uh, and he brought, he's like, You better take care of this thing and blah, 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 you know, like all up in my grill. And the next morning he woke up and he goes, You know, man, I'll take that back. I hope you use the shit out of this thing and it's worn out and it's put up on the mantle and it's beat to hell and you used it all the time. And that's really- That's my philosophy. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, they're only new ones, you get the photos, you put it up on the wall, you know what you can do, and then you go out and beat it up, you know, hey, rebuild it in a few years, whatever.
0: There you go. All right, let's take a break, man, more with Brian Fuller, vintage racing. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, and we're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird, I am Willie B. We are fired up. Whatever boys, Brian Fuller is on the podcast talking about vintage racing. Man, he is he is into it. Let me tell you, when I say he's into it, you wouldn't believe this car that it, that he's restoring and it is gorgeous. One of the only ones in the States. Now, you can Google this thing. Um, I, I will tell you, uh, Bird, you got some firsthand experience out at Road America watching these type cars um, go around the track and push it a little bit. What, what was your takeaway from being out there watching some of these guys and um, how they're driving these things? It, it, was, it was pretty awesome. I uh, went out with a couple of
1: buddies that were building their own vintage cars. So one was like a 70, uh, I forget when it's 240Zs you know versus the 260s 280s uh it is a 240z the other one had an mgb uh you know so it's an mg with sort of the uh, hatchback version he had a rover v8 swap yeah i've got a couple of them sitting in my yard yeah yeah that's right that's right uh so that was on the one end but then i have uh you know my shop buddies right around the corner RM motorsports uh they cater to the guys that brian was talking about earlier these ceos of kmart and whoever else right they can say hey man Build me up a Can-Am car or Formula Five Thousand or whatever you know vintage, uh, you know, they got Jacques Villeneuve's you know ninety whatever year uh, Formula One car in there. You know they have everything. It's just packed, packed full of some of the most amazing machinery and historical pieces ever, uh, owned by a lot of these wealthy guys. So I got to kind of see buddies on both end. You know my my working buddies, you know, spending ten grand, twenty grand, building something themselves in their garage for ten years to go race, and then these guys flying in on helicopters, landing in with the support crew, semi-trucks, you know, ready to just kinda hand them a driver's suit and go out there. Uh, And it was the funnest, you know, full weekend of racing because you've got every single class, you know, duking it out, so you got every flavor of ice cream you could imagine. Uh, And what was really interesting is a lot of these vehicles Uh, They're driven by non-professionals and they've pushed the horsepower two, three times what they probably were back in the 60s. Uh, So the carnage, the number of gearboxes being blown out, uh, (laughs) you know, like, but some of these guys can afford it, right? So, you know, they go out and just have an absolute blast. You think these things are the rarest of, you know, entities on the planet, which they are. But I think it's so cool, like we talked about before the break go out there and use it and abuse it. And these guys do, and you know, hey, if they wad one up, they put one in a corner, they blow a motor, you know, some guys, right, they have the paycheck and they say, hey, rebuild it. And there are guys like us that say, absolutely, that sounds awesome, and they're, you know, putting the buck out there. They're remaking the monocoque frame. You know, the new body panels, the new A-arms, whatever it is from, from a piece of scrap, you know?
0: Look, you can't race it unless you can afford to rebuild it. That's one of the golden rules of racing, man. If you if you're <laughs> you know. racing it, you better be able to afford to rebuild. I never I've never entered a race uh, without that. I got a win mentality. That's just the way I am. I don't care what race it is. I'm trying to win. So if you can't rebuild it, you better not be racing it. So yeah. whether it's yourself or you write a check, either way, I, man, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian, it, are you really yeah. looking forward to showing this thing off, but more more so getting in a seat and really pushing what you built to the limit? Because that's got to be a fun, you know, sort of. Um, carrot hanging out in front of you
2: you know to me it's just trying to get through the mental getting ready for the first butterflies and i think radford was obviously the first kind of go around the funny thing is when you do radford you start out they got you going in hellcats the first three days right so big heavy motor up front just rawr, rawr, this little bitty test track in arizona Did you, you guys were running those same cars around right
0: yeah yeah. yeah.
2: so then if you take the formula class like we did, then they push you into the formula classes, usually on day four. And they're like, oh yeah, so all of that that we taught you for the last three days, throw it out. And you're like, oh my God, are you serious? So then they're like from trail braking where you're using the brake in order to load the front wheels, so that you're taking that big heavy engine and using it to your advantage to get around the corner. So that's what we were doing a lot of with the big front engine car. Now with a mid engine or a rear engine car, they do the opposite. So you don't want to, kind of like the way they teach you is to throw a dart. So if you turn the dart around backwards and try to throw it, the engine is in the back trying to get around you. So you don't want to load the front. You want to either be neutral, so you're off the brake, you know, or if anything, you want to have a little what they call a maintenance throttle to kind of help you through the corner so that you're keeping the rear wheels planted um, in a rear mid-engine. So I'm like, damn, I'm like, I just learned what the apex was. And now you're telling me it's changed. Like, <laughs> and I learned what trail braking was. And I'm like, I just got this figured out in three days. And now you're telling me to change it? I'm like, Jesus. And it really it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was fine. But you know it was just funny you're like okay we're changing now all that
1: done yeah it's really interesting once you you know drag racing is its own thing i think but once you get into a road course uh and understanding the balance of the car and where you're transferring weight to what tires and what it's going to do to your vehicle it's like a whole kind of different playground you know it's a fun dance and and once you understand the the basics and you you know you've been around the track you know quite a few times Uh, boy, you, you can feel, oh man, I didn't throw it like I should've, you know, it didn't come out like, you know, I should have pitched it and you're just, you're trying to work that car. So you're getting everything out of those four tires and, uh, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun game.
2: Well, and you can, you know, it's a, I would encourage anybody who has, you know, some excitement about, uh, performance driving to go enlist one of these schools. And regardless of whether you want to go racing or not. I mean, you know, you get to be our age and you're like, dude, I need to put another, you know, like bucket in the feather in the cap, you know, and like check it off of the list. And to be able to actually understand how to drive fast, not just straight, how do you really drive faster? Um, our, our company, uh, usually last couple, three years, we go out to Amp They have a 55 mile an hour karting, really bitching 0.8 oh mile, like lots of elevation change, gorgeous uh, track. For, uh, rental carts, so we take the whole company out there it's a bunch of hot riders and motorcycle guys and i'm usually right about fifth, you know out of our 25 you know members that go or whatever and uh i'm hoping this year after my training i'm like <laughs> i want to move up a couple three notches I'm like i'm come on gotta go to three you know
1: yeah i just took my uh my five-year-old son uh you know side-by-side cart you know one of the fun zones uh, but you know he's five so he's in there and you know three dads with their three kids you know there's obviously the the carts are completely not the same speeds but we kept the same speed and just kept weaving in and out you know so they would get the feeling of passing and then passing again and you know watching them white knuckle the little seat next to us uh, so I'm I'm slowly pumping my kid up for uh, some of these future adrenaline rushes you know.
0: My my two year old pulled into my sixty-seven Camaro just a minute ago when we started the podcast. So uh, I, I'm with you, man. <laughs> uh, it, it is a blast, man. And for sure, hanging it out and, and banging some turns and you know, really pushing that car, especially on road course. That's why I love road courses so much and, and karting so much. Uh, it's just last, man. Every time I'm riding and driving in that, I'm just laughing. I'm enjoying it so much. And it's so, you know, even though I'm competing and I'm, you know, trying to get the best time. Dude, I'm laughing. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, and to me, that's what's most important.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be. A, it did not have to be the biggest, baddest. I mean, Willie, when you and I were out at Route for doing the karting. I mean dude, we had such a I'm riot. Smoking
0: you. Uh, well, you, you did you
1: did kinda you did kinda pull some Look. quickies on me, but uh, <laughs> but it was so much fun, dude. You know, I didn't yeah. care because we were just dogging it back and yeah, forth. Yeah, it's a blast. Dude. You know? It, it, uh it's so much fun. And I was mentioned before, like every corner you're like, oh man, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. I didn't quite throw it right. Uh but you just go around the next corner and you try it again.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a blast. And I can't wait for you to experience that, Brian, especially in a you know, competitive setting that's going to be such a riot for you man it's uh it's gonna be fun when do you start and and how's the re how's the re restoration coming right now the the rebuilding of this thing where are you at right now with it i'm pretty far along we we've got most of the wiring and plumbing is done the water's
2: finished um i stripped one of the brake little had this gorgeous little fitting you know to split our stainless steel brake lines you know and I was on car fix and I was like, all right, gotta get this one in get that one in quick. And you know, most of my day-to-day is not in assembly and wiring. So I'm a little out of practice and I just wrenched it like "Damn it!" So I finally got that in uh, motors ready to fire. Um, so really the big, the two, uh, the two bugaboos have been the rear hub, which is kind of like a, a one-off hub. And again, there's none of these around. Um, it's a magnesium cast little aftermarket hub. And so, you know, you start calling these people like, hey, I'm, this is what I've got. And they're like, oh yeah, call Ray. And then Ray sends you to Bob and you know, Bob's like, yeah, man, I'm gonna make you some axles. No worries, bro. And then two months goes by, he's like, oh, I can't do it. And he sends you to Jim and like, now I'm back like eight months later, or whatever it is. And I got a nearly finished car with no axles. And then I go back to the guy originally we ended up buying some donuts from you have to use these rubber donuts on the inside it's part of the class so we bought something I'm like man i'm still struggling he goes oh yeah well i got the flanges i'm like six months later now you tell me you have the flanges jesus <laughs> so and then he's like oh well yeah i know where to buy the u-joint too and i've got a special tool i made to turn down the u-joint and i'm like okay well i still don't know like the front is um, cause again, they were done right about formula Ford was developed right about 66 in England, you know, and they just wanted a way to kind of standardize and get people, you know, kind of prepped to go into formula one for years and years. That was the standard. I don't think people are really getting into them too much these days to really move forward in racing. Cause I think they just skip from carts to like formula three or formula four, um, in a more modern kind of setting if they're going to really go racing so these days it's pretty much just you know the old guys farting around having fun and so anyway they the front parts are sprite so mm. uh sorry spitfire Triumph spitfire or what the first the front parts are the rear are like Triumph gt6 is what somebody tells you gt2 and then they're like sprite so i don't even know what the hell i have to use for my outer i, I bought like three feels like none of them work.
0: <laughs> Ask Jim. <laughs> Call Jim again. Don't have access. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Ray. I'm getting closer. No doubt, man. So when do you expect to be wheels on the ground doing your first race?
2: Oh, uh, so, you know, the hard, the crappy part is I feel like I'm going to almost be done the week of SEMA. And I don't know if I've got some maybe to put it in the link electric booth. Um. So if that happens, then I wouldn't be able to race it at Coda. Coda is the same week. Um, Circuit of the Americas, were Formula One and um, also MotoGP race. So that's the track. That's my home state in Texas that I'm just dying to get on that track in a Formula Ford. They have a big race, but they have them all over the country. So chances are I may not be able to do it this year. I may have to wait till the spring when it fires back up. Um, at that point, I'll be completely ready, and so I'll probably be testing and tuning through the winter. If I had to really guess, and then I'll be ready, ready to kind of really jump in next year. All
0: right, I gotta ask, where do you test and tune a car like that?
1: <laughs> it's good to know, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine you could hop on any sort of track day, um, right, and, and kind of sort out all the bugs.
2: Yeah, we have uh, Road Atlanta locally. We have Amp again, which also has a car track. Barber, I have a lot of buddies at Barber. Um, you've got Roebling, which is a classic old track, like next to a, you know, when you go to Indy and you feel like you're going through a neighborhood. Yeah, you know, and you go to, it's the same kind, but was smaller. There's a little track in Savannah, Georgia called Roebling that's like that. <clears throat> so VIR, uh. What else? Laguna, of course, would be a lot of fun to come out there and do that one. And then my, you know, my long-term goal, pie in the sky dream is that, you know, I can talk people like Bird and to come with me and we load up a container with like two or three cars with the tools and the stuff we need and some motorcycles, ship it to uh, Australia, go race in Australia, ride around motorcycles, ship it to Spain. And basically just, you know, every six months or a year, keep it moving go race around the world.
1: Uh yeah, sign me up, bro.
0: <laughs> sign me up for that. <laughs> I need to, I need to some I like the muscle. way
1: that's why I hang out with Brian, man. I, I like the way he thinks. You know? He thinks big. You know, and when, and when we go, ah, oh, I don't know about that. It does it anyway. You know? So, you only live
2: once, man. You only live
1: once. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like this, man. <laughs>
0: amen to that. Not getting I, any younger. Amen, brother. You're I, done well where can people check out the build the car all things uh related mr brian fuller what, what you're doing man
2: well same old same old fuller moto in atlanta uh same on instagram carfix and uh, caffeine and octane on motor trend ten thirty and 11 a.m saturday and sunday for carfix
0: there you go man uh Find him, check it out, give him a follow, check out that cool build. Don't forget about Air Show, Air and Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Also available on Motor Trend Plus, which is a streaming format, a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Brian Fuller, Fuller Moto. Um, he is Kevin Bird. I am Willie V, our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Mr. Bob Ecker. Yeah, don't forget to check out
1: our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted. 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Right on, man. I'm excited, man. Whether it's a track day or a full-on race, uh, man, I'm going to come down and check you out one of these days. That's going to be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I need a little, I need some pit crude inspiration, so, you know.
1: That's right. I'll bring the the cold beer in the cooler for afterwards and a couple of wrenches, a screwdriver, maybe a big hammer. (laughs) <laughs> be good to go.
2: Hope I don't need a hammer.
1: No <laughs> <laughs> doubt, man. All right, man. Always great to catch up with you, man. Un, you yeah, know, that was awesome. Share with the world what's going on in the life of Brian Fuller. Um, hopefully, we'll catch up with you again soon.
2: That was fun. Thanks. Good. Good call staying on Formula Ford. That worked out.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it, man. Uh, check out your vintage racing local to you, man. I promise you, it'll be a great time. And we will have to catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast.